drop. Oh, you know, a nice relaxing afternoons here. I like to, I don't know, keep myself busy. I don't, you know, idle hands. They're devil's playground. So sometimes I, I just like to keep myself busy with just remedial chores around the house. And I think today I'm going to clear out this junk drawer. Oh, we got all sorts of cool things in here. We got some, oh, we got some batteries and some round band-aids and a bunch of expired pizza coupons. And hey, what's this? Ooh, tinfoil. I love tinfoil. Tinfoil is so cool. You do a lot of things with tinfoil. And you can use, obviously, you can use it to wrap food, or if you don't have any kind of cooking spray or cooking oil, you can use these while you're baking, or you can make fun crafts with it. I've seen people ball it up into little tight balls and polish them on spoons to make pearls. Some people, they like to make them into hats. It's very important. Keep foil around for your tin foil hat. Because you'll never know when they'll get you. Tin foil's really good to keep the aliens from reading your mind. You know, when I look at this roll of tin foil, it kind of reminds me of other kinds of tinfoil hat type of conspiracies because it's kind of been synonymous with that really there's a big one going around right now about lizard people of all things running a uh, a cabal of famous Hollywood elites who happen to be liberals and these folks are buying children off of online and just doing really gross, nefarious things. And for some reason, one of the biggest, uh, the one one of the, the the kingpins, so to speak, one of the leaders in this cabal of of gross elites, is Tom Hanks of all people. People really believe that Tom Hanks is subservient to a race of lizard people, and he's doing terrible things to the the most innocent of our population to get something called adrenochrome from people from them and to what purpose i have no idea but it's gross and it's weird and it's terrible but i got something better to talk about today guys i've got a better one i'll i i give you my word okay i promise you tom hanks is not subservient to lizard people in any way, shape, or form. I've got proof that Tom Hanks isn't even Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is being possessed by some sort of some sort of alternate personality. And I've got the proof in a little known 1982 movie called Mazes and Monsters. Strap into your Wayfair cabinets, kids. This is a fun one. Welcome back, everybody, to the Be Kind Rewind. 
going solo today. Just your boy Joey. Um, had an amazing, amazing opportunity to watch uh, this film that we're trying to talk to today. I, I've known about it for a long time, and lo and behold, about a week or two ago, I was perusing our local thrift store, and there it was, mixed in amongst the uh, um, Spider-Man 2s and uh, random other movies was Mazes and Monsters. Now this film, if you're not familiar with Mazes and Monsters, uh, is was a made-for-TV movie. It was made in 1982. It was, excuse me, it was made in 1981. It debuted on CBS on December 28th, 1982, three three days after Christmas. Let me tell you, it is a very interesting film. And there was actually a lot of really cool themes in it that I was not anticipating. So let me give you a little background on what Mazes and Monsters is. Mazes and Monsters is a, like I said, a made-for-TV movie. It was adapted by a novel. The novel, with the same name, um, Mazes and Monsters, was written by someone named Rona Jaffe. Now, this, the story of, of the book um, is a fictionalized account of something that really happened. So in the story... A group of college kids, and Tom Hanks is one of them. This was actually his very first film. Tom Hanks and a group of three other college kids uh, play a game, a a knockoff, if you will, of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a tabletop role playing game. And throughout the, they're in college, but throughout the course of them playing this game. They slowly, specifically one, Robbie, Tom Hanks's character, slowly becomes obsessed with the game to the point where it overtakes his personality and he becomes, in his mind, someone else, a holy man named Pardu. These guys in the film, they actually take their, instead of playing on a tabletop game, this is, and this was actually brilliant to me. Instead of playing it on the tabletop, they actually find some abandoned mines um, near their near the college, and they actually uh, play it outright. They do live actions, basically some LARPing uh, before LARPing was a thing, and uh, it was fascinating the, the the way they do it. And they're all they're all dressed up, and they they just play Dungeons and Dragons, but live action and they seem to have a lot of a lot of fun with it well what happens though like i said is tom hanks's character robbie gets a little bit too obsessed with it loses his mind believes he is his character part of the holy man and completely disappears absolutely disappears and overtakes uh, it overtakes him he goes on and he doesn't even know where he's going he goes on an adventure and uh, the town assumes he's died, he's disappeared, uh, they find him, and and that's it. Now, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get in we're gonna get into the to this to a little bit more of the minutiae of the story because uh, there's some really interesting themes, like I said, that cropped up there. Now, again, this was a sensationalized story based off of a real incident, and researching the incident. 
uh, really kind of took the wind out of my sails because it was really tragic of what happened to the 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 the, the real life story behind this. So uh, let's so let's get into the movie and then we'll talk about the real life care the real life gentleman because um, his story uh, is definitely worth telling. So Mazes and Monsters opens uh, very beautiful. Uh, early 80s, late 70s uh, interlude music. Um, very, very beautiful. Sorry, I had to put my tinfoil hat away. Um, by a man named Hargood Handy. Damn, that's a good name. Hargood Handy. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, the It's exactly what you would think uh, from 80s, from early, I mean, this is early 80s, late 70s. Um, like, um, soft interlude music uh, re- really really good stuff really sets the tone for the film and very you know you're what you're watching is as where you know where this movie takes place what time frame anyway opens up with uh tom hanks being taken to college um along with a character whom i was really I, I was really drawn to this character as well, JJ, um, played by a man named Chris Makepeace. That's a cool name too, Chris Makepeace. Um, who, who he did some things uh, a few decades ago. He hasn't been active in making movies in a long, 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 long time. Um, he plays JJ and uh, very affluent. Uh, all these kids are like they're all very rich kids. I mean, they don't. Uh, Tom Hanks's character is 26 years old. Well, I don't know if his character is 26, but he is 26 in real life when this when this was filmed. Um, they drink in this film, so clearly either they're kind of playing fast and loose with the with the rules there on campus, or they're actually as old as as their real life counterparts are. Everybody does does seem to look to be in their mid mid 20s for sure. So JJ, uh, very interesting story with JJ. JJ is. He's having a hard time with his mom because he's moved out. And what his mom does is his mom continues to redecorate his room in completely different themes. And the very first theme that she, she read is tile, white tile on every surface. The entire room is completely white on white tile. It just, it's a stark, like stark contrast to the really dark, um, they filmed things so smoky back then, like nothing ever seems to be in focus. Um, it's very, very soft, very, very dark. Almost people are like, they used a lot of natural lighting back then. Like they didn't use a lot of stage lighting. Uh, so this bright white tiled room was really stuck out and he's kind of having a hard time with, uh, you know, feels like maybe he's lost, like, I get the sensation that the mom is, like, sad that her son is gone, so she's trying to find her identity. In the meantime, JJ, he's trying to find his own identity as well, because he's got this gimmick that he goes through about half, through the first half of the movie where he wears different hats. And these aren't just like, oh, this is my, this is my, my newsy hat, and this is my, my uh, Milady Fedora. No, they're like ridiculous, off the wall, crazy hats. Like the first one is like a German war helmet with the arrowhead on the top. 
Um, he wears a cowboy hat, which completely is out of place in a uh, an upstate New York college that he goes to. He wears an aviator cap with the goggles and the scarf. Um, he wears he has he has a fedora, but it's more like a, a, a Sherlock Holmes fedora, um, a pith helmet, uh, kind of like one of those Jumanji hats, and then I, and this is my favorite. My absolute favorite, a construction hat, like a bright yellow Bob the Builder construction hat. <laughs> now, this gentleman wears these things to class. He wears them around. They were kind of having like a fancy dinner party, and he decided to wear his construction hat. Like he's really searching for who he is, which I think was a really cool theme there. At first, it was like a really funny gimmick, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. That's actually really, really cool. And then you've got Kate, uh, a female character. Now, her backstory is that she's had a lot of, like, a string of really bad relationships. She's not really, I don't know, she's just kind of trying to find her place in the world. And then Daniel, uh, the final character, you know, big, tall, good-looking, Aryan-looking fellow, uh, you know, blonde hair. He wants to, to, uh, he wants to, to design video games, which is a very interesting thing to have somebody from the early 80s want to do because you got to remember the early 80s Atari was still kind of there um at home consoles were were a novelty um and Atari that Atari bubble was getting ready to break uh, Nintendo was years in advance or years in the future so it was a really interesting take that they went with this guy and of course his family's just shitting on him for wanting to do that so you have these four people. Um, now, Robbie, his parents are having a, a really hard. Uh, they're like her, his dad's really abusive. His mom's an alcoholic. Anne Francis, uh, the lovely Anne Francis, uh, plays his mom. Uh, you might remember from Forbidden Planet. Now I learned that from the Rocky Horror Picture Show song. But yeah, Anne Francis plays his mom. So he is he transferred to this college because he had some like. They kind of like hushed whispers about it, but he was way like too obsessed with like something happened at his old college. We had to switch schools. So these are four kind of like, I don't want to say wayward people, but you know, and a misfits for their time. Although very popular, uh, JJ with the goofy hats is really popular. Of course, he's pretty affluent too. So, so the, the three main folks before Robbie Tom Hanks gets there. They are they're fans of monster, mazes and monsters, and they, but they're needing a fourth, and they don't they, they put up a built they put up a sign on the bulletin board, they're looking for a fourth player, they meet up with Robbie they kind he's kind of like no I I can't I can't get back into this game I can't, um, and they just kind of like goad him into it and kind of it's they, they 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 you know they twist his arm a little bit and off they go they get back into to mazes and monsters. Dungeons and Dragons, and it's cool. It's your classic tabletop game. They're they 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 they're rolling their dice. They're they have their little their little characters. It's 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 very cool. So as the movie progresses, Kate and Robbie start a relationship, and Robbie's kind of wanting to push it for like he he takes. Uh, he went. He goes and gets like a full size bed for his dorm room so she can move in, but she's like uh, not into it. 
Okay, that's we're moving a little fast there, Robbie. But Robbie's like really, you know, uh, you know, wanting to move the relationship further. There's a scene, guys. Now this is this is amazing. Now I guess this is a, a bullshit propaganda, cheesy ass, you know, fear mongering movie from the early '80s. I mean, we're gonna call a spade a spade here, but absolutely brilliant. There's the scene in this film that I don't give a shit. All right, I'm gonna I'm talking a little saucy right now. I don't give a shit about what you might think or what you might want to believe because you're bored and scared about what people say on on the Tom Hanks is an amazing actor and it shows in the very his very first film there is a scene where he's sitting on the bed talking to Kate's girlfriend and what he's talking about is uh 3 years ago it was on uh and his the, he had an older brother named Hall and it was his birthday. It was on Halloween. And Hall disappeared. No one knows where he went. Nobody knows what happened. He just vanished off the face of the earth. And Tom Hanks is talking about this. And he has a... He has, like, a sadness to him. Tom Hanks has a very specific, like... Because, I mean, we've all grown up watching Tom Hanks movies. He's got a very specific, um, it's kind of like when he does, when he's playing uh, Woody. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm a lost toy. But this is like a little, it's it's very much pulled back. I don't want to say it's like a, a whininess to it. But it is really prevalent in Joe versus the Volcano, which is one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies ever. But he's talking when he's talking about his brother, and he left, and I just didn't know where he went. It's heartbreaking. Like I, I, I put my notebook down. Like it was one of those moments. Like I had to put my notebook down because this was just, it was a touching scene, and it never pays off in the story as far as like what happened to his brother. It was just like a layer to the character that was just absolutely fascinating, and the way it was presented. Like no kidding, that guy went on to make to be you know, America's dad, because it's absolutely fascinating and and just it's mesmerizing. And you could see why he went on to do what he did because the, the, for that one scene alone, it's just absolutely just stellar, just chef kiss. I, I, Oh, so good. So they're, 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 they're playing their dungeons and dragons. They've all got their characters. Well, uh, it's shortly after, you know, JJ, the guy with the hat, all the goofy hats. Um, this is actually a, a tragic bit. He 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 he, he slips into a a, a series of, dep- of of depression, and he goes to go kill himself in these caverns outside of their college. And he goes there. He finds these caverns. He wanders around. His goal is to kill himself to commit suicide because he's, he's still trying to find his place in the world. He just, you know, you have your friends and you have your interests, but see, I, I I deal with this a lot, um, for being a recovering, uh, uh, for being a suicide attempt survivor, uh, uh, make notes. No, um, 
I, I, I don't keep that a secret. Um, and uh, I know when I'm hitting a place I don't want to be in, when the things that I love, that I know that I love, don't have that, they have an unnecessary, like have an unnecessary aversion to them. Like you can get, oh, you, you could be into something for a while and just kind of outgrow it. But when you just absolutely don't have the physical strength anymore to enjoy it, it brings you no pleasure. And if it just feels like it's a chore, then you know you've got a problem. You got to start implementing your self-care. Well, clearly that's not what was happening to this character. And he decided that something bad was the, the right choice for him. So he goes there. He decides that he gets a piece of information, uh, of inspiration. And instead of like, you know, unfortunately killing himself, he goes, holy crap. Well, he decides to turn these caverns into the live action, the uh, live act, the live action uh, mazes and monsters. Absolutely cool. He goes and he decorates them up. He goes and borrows some skeletons from the science lab because, of course, he does. And he introduces his uh, the rest of the guild or the whatever the hell I don't know. I've I've only played. Dun I'm going to be honest with you. I've only played Dungeons Dragons once. And we didn't even get past like finishing the the characters. Like, <laughs> it's something that I've always wanted to be exposed to, but I I don't have the time or energy, unfortunately. But um, again, I don't have a, an aversion to it. It just knows just never really got into it. Same reason why I never really got into Warcraft. I never really got into Skyrim. I never really got into RPGs, video games ever, just because I just weren't with my cup of tea. So, um, he. He, he so he goes back to his guild or whatever and says, "Hey, he, he bring brings this to them." They you know, through a series of events, they go ahead and they try it out. They're like, "Oh, let's try this here in these caverns," and they love it, and it works great for them. And they have an outlet, and they absolutely love it. Great. Cue a second a second act struggle. The <laughs> Robbie. Starts to have hallucinations, and the way the the way the hallucinations are presented are just absolutely awesome. He is um, being spoken to about something called the Great Hall and the the Two Towers, which he even acknowledges. Oh, that's from Tolkien, the Two Towers and the Great Hall, and he starts um, and the the visually it's amazing. It's shot through like a black PVC pipe and I'm assuming it's Tom Hanks there at the end of this at the end of this tunnel in, in robe you can't see his face it's his voice talking to Robbie about um, not not being uh, Robbie anymore that he's Pardue the holy man his character and that he has to go to the, the two towers which he will join the great hall okay uh, to get to the great hall you have to go to the two towers or something like that. Well, what happens is that this starts to consume him and he starts to do this. Now, the rest of the, the other three characters, they're trying to go about their lives and do their thing. They enjoyed, but he doesn't like let up the gag at all. Like he still, he still talks to them like he's, uh, uh, his, his, his Dungeons and Dragons character. Um, and they just like, Oh, come on, Robbie, just knock it off and just knock it off Robbie. But he just, it's in there. So he starts obsessing about it. He starts drawing his own maps, all sorts of things. Well, as the thing progresses, again, he disappears. Like I mentioned in the intro, he disappears. Nobody knows where he is. They assume that he's dead. 
and he's gone into the caverns and that he's dead because they can't find him. The then that's where the movie picks up with uh, some in private investig with some like detectives uh, arrive in the in the movie, and, and they're and it's kind of cool because it takes like the one scene to the beginning of the film and then they like okay six months later and now we've caught up. Um, they're searching and you know they it's. The two the two inspectors are kind of like the 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 brick characters the like you're supposed to, they they give you the narrative so you can kind of keep up you know we're talking about mountains and monsters you play it like no but my kids really play it so you know if I kind of like okay establishing what this is well the other three uh, characters they don't want to get like in trouble for being in these caverns so they they give the clues to the cops that okay. Something happened because of mazes and monsters. They can't. Um, and, and it is kind of funny because, you know, you, for being in an active investigation, the um, the inspectors are very open to kids that they don't think are involved. <laughs> like they kind of tell them exactly where they're at with their investigation with this missing persons. So, yeah, they're... <laughs> they're very forthcoming which is great i mean it's good for the audience to you know that the concept of show don't tell was pretty much lost on these guys but that's all right i mean it it kind of keeps you going because the the movie was made in a different time and just the movies back then just kind of unfolded differently um that's the big biggest striking thing about um, that, that I've always noticed, especially watching movies from the 80s, is that the reality that they live in is a lot different and they're very character centric. Uh, characters can kind of, there's not a lot of, I feel anyway, there's not a lot of, of, of like what's, you know, the, the tension is, is usually from something completely different. Um, there's absolutely no tension brought on from police authority at all. The tension usually comes from their own emotions and their own feelings. That's where a lot of the tension comes from for those films. Even movies like The Breakfast Club. Those kids could give two shits that they were in that they were in trouble, especially when uh, the principal was there. Like their their problems were in their heads. So. Uh, which, by the way, is a re- <laughs> so you know, Robbie disappears. Well, then they show him he's wandered away because he is so he in his head he is Pardu the Holy Man. He is completely lost all connection with reality. Everything that he sees is the Middle Ages, the um, the uh, a fantasy onward word world dungeon uh, fantasy dungeons and dragons world is everything that he sees um which is hilarious hilarious because as this is happening you know the three the three other characters are kind of oh what's robbie doing like what's happening we don't know he could be dead he's probably who knows she literally looks almost directly at the camera and says the most frightening monsters are are the ones that exist inside our minds like <laughs> it was so ham-fisted it was just bl- brilliant it was just oh, it was wonderful it was just so wonderfully on the nose i loved it um so you know cut to now we've got we've got robbie who this is what was fascinating to me was oh i, I these segments were just oh, awesome uh 
Robbie is wandering around New York City, early 80s New York City. Mind you, this was before Tom Hanks was famous. So it's he he's literally just bumping into people on the street. Um, he's he absolutely thinks he's uh, in this fantasy realm, but it's just New York City and he's interacting with homeless people. He's thinking that they're they're clerics. He he thinks the subway is a dragon. Um, it's just absolutely crazy. He has a little th- satchel thing that he wears that that's where his spells are. And he, he's like, these guys are trying to mug him, but for some reason he pulls out, out a dagger. No one knows where he gets the dagger. And he like stabs a, a mugger on the street. And it's kind of ambiguous whether the mugger dies. What well, he just kind of like disappears and, uh, he just disappears. But the, 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 the visuals of, of Tom, of young Tom Hanks wandering around New York city, which again, was just filmed in the street was just awesome to me. Like, I don't know why, like early that time period of New York is always fascinating to me because it's just become, you know, it's a tourist town now, but, uh, old New York is just absolutely fascinating, dirty, grimy, uh, New York. So to see that on, on, in film, especially in the eighties movies, it's just, everything is wet. Everything is dirty. There's always steam coming from the, from the, uh, manholes um there's always like punks and hookers and it's just so dirty and gross but it's just fascinating because it just seems like a completely different world so again tom hanks stabs a guy just like i don't know if he, he it's ambiguous whether he dies or not well that's when he has a moment of clarity and all of a sudden you can see him snap out of this hallucination that he's been in and he's holding this dagger in his hand. He's covered in blood. It's like, Oh, Oh no. And he like runs to a phone booth. And that's when he calls Katie, Kate, his girlfriend. And, um, he's like, you know, he, he calls her and he doesn't know where he's at. I don't know where I've been. And, Oh, I don't know. Like again, that, that, uh, Oh, I'm a lost toy, uh, thing. And, when he comes out of it and is like, he's like cr- almost crying upset. Like I like the take that he took on it. It was brilliant because it, any other, you know, your, your normal, your first instinct would be like, where am I? What am I doing? What's go? What? Oh, but he comes out of it and he, like, he's almost crying. Like he's over emotional, which is exactly like I have seizures and when I come out of, when I come back, when I come out of them and I come back to reality, a lot of the times I get emotional because it's upsetting when you, you are no longer in control of your own mind. And when he comes out of this hallucinations, he's, he realizes that he wasn't control over his own mind and he reacts accordingly. It's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, um, so that's when they know that he's in New York city. So. The, his, his three friends, they pile in the car, they go find him. Um, they send him to JJ's house uh, because uh, go to JJ's house. We'll meet you there. Well, when they get there, he's gone. Incidentally, though, JJ's room now has been turned instead of being white tiled on every single surface. It's been completely stripped out. Now it looks like Casablanca, like with director's chairs and everything. Like it's exactly looks like Casablanca. It's just hilarious. It's, a, it's just an interesting gag that they spent a lot of money on. So. 
Um, they so he's not there, and they don't know where he is. Well, they you know they looking at his maps when they found him earlier when they said the Great Hall and the two the two towers in 1982 New York. You can kind of know where I'm going with this. Yes, um, they realize that the two towers, even though they're from Tolkien. He's talking about in his mind to him that's the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center. And the Great Hall isn't a place, it's his brother, Hall. Absolutely interesting, interesting narrative they, they put there. So like, well, shoot, where if he was a if he was a a 14th century holy man in a in a fantasy realm, where would he go? He would go to the two towers. So they go to the twin the, the World Trade Center fascinating look at the world trade center circa 1982 um absolutely fascinating if you're um interested in any of the history of that of those buildings um and then they play a little cat and mouse uh they, they almost kind of do the classic scooby-doo in and out of doors thing uh walking through the different uh you know uh whatevers they find you know they 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 like they that's when like okay they can't find him where would he be they realize that he has to jump off of the two towers to make to visit to be able to go to the great hall so well shoot they go to the roof and it's really hilarious because they go through one door and they kind of come out another door which is the roof but if you knew how tall those buildings were, it's hilarious. But yeah, and they find him and he's up there. And again, he still thinks he's part of the holy man and they have to talk him down. And again, he has this moment of clarity and he loses his he loses his, his faculties again. He gets upset. Absolutely brilliant take. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so they find him, they rescue him, and then they cut to a few months later. He has gone back to his parents' estate. Again, all these people are pretty affluent. Um, but now here's the interesting thing. Like, so they, they're not really playing their mages and monsters games anymore. Um, and the drive to go see Robbie to visit him after all this has happened is fascinating because all of their lives are better because they went through this this situation. Uh, JJ no longer wears goofy hats. Like he's come to terms with himself. Uh, Daniel, the one who said that was kind of bummed that he he wanted to do more with his life than what he was doing. He wanted to do video games. He's kind of, that's what he's doing now. Um, Kate, who actually at this point now have started dating Daniel. And she's talking about how her book's going to be coming out soon. So these three people have really like got their shit together. And it's so hilarious because as they're sitting there talking and she's like, yeah, my book's going to come out in a few months. And the, 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 the Mark Maypiece guys is like, yeah, we're all going to be famous. And you kind of like giggle. I was like, well, not you three, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so they go visit Robbie and I'm not going to, they visit Robbie and her mom's, his mom says, yeah, he's, he's doing good. Um, you know, it's, 
it's, it, it's kind of tragic that that happened. I mean, when when you guys started playing the game again, he was in a really sensitive place. They go find Robbie. He's sitting by a, a nice little lake in their backyard. And they're like, hey, Robbie, they talk to him. He just kind of blankly stares at him for a second. And then he just kind of goes right back into being Pardew again. And he's literally stuck in a forever world of being Pardew, the holy man. He believes that he's living in an inn. He's um, uh, scared of this. On the other side of the lake is there as a dragon that he's wary of. Um, he, he mentions coming about this magical coin that he pays to live in this inn every day. That's it's a never ending coin. Cause when he wakes up the next morning, it's in his pouch. Basically he's mentally, he, he, he he's, he's mentally challenged at this point. And uh, the movie ends with, you know, Robbie was never the same again, but we played the game one more time for the last time. And that's it. Now I, I found it interesting that the three characters all, like I said, got their shit together. Now, the makers of this movie, I could tell you, they probably did that so you can, as an eye-opening thing, like, well, don't play these these dumb satanic games and you'll have your shit together. I personally think that, no, they got their shit together because they had a shared traumatic experience and they learned from it and they grew from it. And I, I liked that a lot. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, you've got Robbie, the tragic character, which you know, he, I would like to think that it wasn't that it was the Mazes and Monsters game that made him crazy. He was he has schizophrenia, like a form of schizophrenia, like he was brain damaged and had nothing to do with the game. That's just where his mind went. Um, and that was something that they kind of failed to mention to his friends when they sent him off to his own private, to his own college or to a new college. <laughs> Well, yeah, by the way, he's he's kind of mentally challenged and he needs a lot of help. So Mazes and Monsters was a cautionary tale, the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons that actually made it sound awesome. And like, <laughs> like if you want to get your shit together, kids, play Dungeons and Dragons because it's amazing. Now, this film, again, like I said, 82 was was um, made based off of a book. Uh, that I mentioned at the beginning of the sto- beginning of the episode, um, and it it kind of tapped into uh, there was hysteria, and this is kind of what I was, wanted to kind of make the allusion to. Like, there's kind of like hysteria. This is kind of like the world we live in now, where every day there's a new there's a new thing to r- to rile up the streets, so to speak, and it happens all the time, and it's quite. Um, it's tiresome. It's very, very tiresome. But back then, it was um, it, it was like Dungeons and Dragons mania. Like everybody was was stringing their pearls. People that had no idea what it was, they couldn't even fathom it or understand it. To them, was just dangerous and and just dangerous and demonic. Um, they did the same thing with with heavy metal music. They did the same thing with video games. They did the same thing with everything. Uh, Harry Potter. All sorts of these things, like these. There's nothing demonic about these things. Um, they're just kids having a good time, doing what they want to do. Um, but it tapped into that that weird, like, oh, kids. You know, for some reason, Satanism and demonic things were like everywhere you went. There was always this underline of demonic, satanic underlines with everything. If it wasn't, if you didn't understand it, 
demonic. And, and this definitely tapped into that. Now, the, here's where this story gets really weird and, and, and really tragic. Like I said, when I was doing some research in this film, um, based on, like I said, a novel, same name by Rona Jaffe, She wrote this book in 81. I mean, they really turned this around like a year earlier than before the movie came out, the book came out. And it's disgusting. Like when you when you when you find this out, it's kind of gross. So it was based off of a true of a real story uh, about a young man named James Dallas Egbert III from Michigan. Um who lived a very tragic um very tragic existence. He, his background. Um, he had he had disappeared from his dorm. He was a student at at Michigan State. He disappeared from his dorm, and nobody could ever find him. And um, he suffered from depression. Um, he had a drug addiction. And some would say that he was, uh, had, he was, he, he may have been dealing with, uh, some underlying homosexual, um, homosexuality, which again, isn't something that's for early eighties was something that to, that was not like, Oh, I can't just be gay. Uh, no, no, you can't. And so that's where not to soapbox this, but you know you, you hear these stories of these people that have been. You can't say, "Oh, you're." It's just a choice when it's too many of these stories end too tragically. Just to say it was a choice, like no one's going to choose to take the most saddest, hardest road they can. Like I just want to be gay, and I want to lose everything that I've ever loved. I want my family to disown me. I want to be kicked out of school. I want to lose jobs. I want to be an outcast to society because I like this one thing. It is as simple as flipping a switch. Um, I, yeah, no, sorry, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, so he he leaves his dormitory room. He 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 writes a suicide note. Um. Attempted to commit suicide. He survived. Um, while they were trying to find him, one of the one of the uh, leads they followed said that he may have stopped off at um, a tabletop convention that was happening in the area called Gen Con Twelve at the time, and that that was one of the things that he was into. When you're trying to like, oh, someone's you know, what, who's this person? You know, what was he into? And the thing that came up was Dungeons and Dragons. Well, the short-sighted detectives and the news media kind of like, well, then that is why he's exploded. That's why he's gone. He's crazy. And this demonic ass game has made him nuts. Look at the children. Look at our society. Look at what we're doing to the youngsters now. They're terrible and they're all they're all witches and 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 satanic Satan worshippers. Absolutely disgusting. Um, you know, they, they finally, he was into it. They, him and his, his friends were doing the live action LARPing. Um, absolutely. You know, this is what they were into. It became the reason, not just, oh, that's just what he's into. And that's it. Um, 
And then tragically, um, he did, um, after he was found, um, they tried to get him some help. Uh, and then unfortunately he, he, he did, uh, with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, kill himself. Um, uh, a second, um, after the second time. And that's what makes it tragic was what should have been like, it's always something, right? Like it can't be like this person dungeons and dragons is making people crazy and kill themselves. Not why are there, why are our people so sad and depressed? Like what is, you know, there's something else. These are just, it always has to be the most craziest, outlandish, ridiculous thing like Wayfair cabinets or lizard people or huge cabals of, of sex trafficking rings. Like the world is grosser and more mundane than anybody that any, what any conspiracy theorist can, can come up with. It's like I said, it's grosser and more mundane and you don't have to, you know, cheapen it with just weird, bizarre theories that just don't make any logic or sense at all. And something like this, I didn't think you would hit me as hard as it did, but it really has. Um, you know, he, he definitely had some problems. He definitely had, um, some really bad depression and, and with his drug addiction and, you know, even the things that he couldn't, that made him happy, just no longer made him happy. And the fact that it's tragic enough that he, that he felt like he had to, to, to take the, the tragic end, the way his legacy was, was, was twisted and, and, uh, seized upon is tragic. This Rona Jaffe lady, she hurriedly wrote this story about these live action LARPers and the one that loses his mind be so she could have the first book out of leading with the story. Um, which the more I sit and think about it, the more worse I, I feel the more dirtier I feel, um, about it, that it was just, I don't want to say cash grab, but it was an opportunity for this person to write a book uh, based off of a sensationalized story with absolutely no merit that completely trivialized what, like the the what this poor kid, um, this James Dallas Egbert the third needed. He didn't get that. Instead, his legacy was just like, eh, he was just a, a he was just into weird satanic bullshit and. He lost his mind because Satan got him or whatever, or he just couldn't handle, you know, he, he, he went into fantasy cause it was, I don't know. It's really bugging me. So, I mean, I can't blame the people that, that filmed the movie because it, it was supposed to be a cautionary tale at the time. And I can't blame anybody who was in it because, Hey, there, there's very few movies. <laughs> if, if Hollywood came a calling, I think there's very few movies that I would pass on the opportunity to at least lay my credence into. Um, so I can't blame any of the people that made the film. So I definitely would recommend watching Mazes and Monsters. If anything, it's a really cool snapshot of the early 80s. New York, um, it's a really cool snapshot 
of a young Tom Hanks and um, the uh, kind of the, I think the Basil figure of, of, of where he um, went with his career, where he started. That's pretty cool. He did. He made a lot of movies in the early eighties that were really fantastic. Um, uh, man with one red shoe punchline splash. Uh, you can just go on and on and on and on, can't you? Um, big, uh, like I said, Joe, my favorite, personal favorite, though, obviously, is Joe versus the Volcano. Uh, va- absolutely fantastic. Um, Sleepless in Seattle holds a, a, a sentimental place in my heart, along with a lot of his others. I mean, we can we can talk about Tom Hanks all day long if you want, but. Um, the real tragic story here is this this young man, James. And sometimes, I mean, m- make it, you know, step away from the sensationalist headlines and step away from what you think is is so cut and dry and black and white. Oh, th- this guy was into satanic rituals and the devil got him. And th- these are real people. These are real lives. And... To trivialize it with, oh, it's it's just a satanic board game, or it's heavy metal music, or it's this weird bullshit lizard people story. Um, real people, there's a real tragic thing that's happening in the world, and to just trivialize it with nonsense doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't help the vic- people who are suffering, and it certainly doesn't help the people who have suffered. Um so I guess that that was be my <laughs> takeaway. Number one is to just, just put your fa- cell phone down <laughs> and, and, and read beyond the headlines of the sensational story that you're hearing. And this is a good message for anybody on the political spe- spectrum or any, any kind of reason at all. And remember that, you know, r- people are really suffering and there's more to that than just, you know, pe- people have ailments and people have things that are bothering them. And really, if you have, if you're really close with people that are super creative or are, even if they're not into something that's super creative, just be close to your loved ones. Be mindful when things that they love no longer, when they don't really have the love or the passion for something anymore. Let that be a flag. Maybe not a red flag, but a yellow flag. Take a look at it. To check in on your people. So, um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Be Kind Rewind. Um, I hope you take a look at Mazes and Monsters. It's for free on YouTube. Um, it's absolutely wonderful film. Um, uh, really good. And like I said, a really good snapshot of the '80s. Definitely check it out. Um, make sure this is, it was kind of funny. This episode, this movie, like I was looking at all the different cool shows that we have here on the eavesdrop network either ones that are still being in production or the ones that we have in our catalog and it basically is pretty much the eavesdrop network uh, uh like it's definitely very on brand for the eavesdrop network we've got a movie based off of a book you know an old trashy 80s book that overbooked would have killed it on um it's about a tabletop game so that you know the the tabletop folks um would have loved it um depression so that <laughs> It hit a lot of boxes, and it hit a lot of boxes for me personally. So definitely check out some of those shows that are on these drop 
Facebook.com uh, website. Remember, we have Be Kind Rewind merchandise now on Redbubble. Uh, hats and shirts and hoodies and masks or masques as Tucker's calls them. Um, check that stuff out. Big news. Big boffo news. Hot off the presses. If you're hearing this before, yeah, you probably it's probably over by the time you've listened to this, but um, it'll still be active, I'm sure, September 5th, live streaming throughout the world. The Be Kind Rewind Live. We are going to do a live watch-along with uh, myself and returning guest Crystal Moore uh, of Doctor Who Velocity. We're going to be watching the... The seminal Manos, The Hands of Fate, um, the original homemade movie, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. More details to follow, um, so check that out as well. Um, remember, you can listen to your app, your your Be Kind Rewind, all your shows at all of your all your different destinations: uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your streaming shows. Leave us a uh, leave us a message. Give us a call. Give us a message, text, a review. Um, let me know what movies you would like us to cover because I uh, love. Uh, send here's a challenge. Send me the worst movie you've ever seen, and I will make you a believer in less than an hour that it's probably that it's an absolutely hilarious film, or not a hilarious film, but a very worthwhile film. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm leaning into this a little bit, and I'm gonna put some more information there on Facebook. But the 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 be kind rewind challenge. Send me your most worst movie you've ever seen, and I will. And I'm positive that I'll be able to find the 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 what the the good stuff in it. So, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest. This roll of aluminum foil. Uh, make sure that when you do make your tin foil hats, to put a brim on it because the sun's hot. Um, and keep it away from the microwave. All right, everybody. Love you. Um, talk to you later. Remember, if you're going to have a rewind, you might as well be kind. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.